Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our Sermon on the Mount series, closing out chapter 5 in the book of Matthew with verses 43 through 48. Before we get into Jesus' challenging statement here today, let's set our minds by asking ourselves, who do you love and why? You might answer that question by asking things like, well, who is worthy of my love? Who loves me? Who is closest to me? Who deserves some good from me? Well, that's how humans think. But for the Christian, we are called to love as God loves, and that changes everything. Consider that God first loved us when we were yet his enemies, and it was when we hated him that he died for us and saved us. So then, how are we to love our enemies? It's noteworthy that Jesus didn't say, if you love everyone, it's impossible to have enemies. No, Scripture recognizes that we do have enemies. Well, if they are our enemies, considering what that word means, a person who is actively opposed to or hostile to us, who may even desire or actively seek or even have achieved our harm, why should we love them? How can we love them? Please join us all week for important answers. Here is today's piece of the message entitled, Love Your Enemies. Remember I've told you if you asked people, asked people on the day that Jesus gave this sermon, point out a righteous person to me. They would have looked for a card-carrying Pharisee because they declared themselves righteous. If you said to them, who is the worst sinner in the area, they would have looked through the crowd and said, where's the tax collector? That was their definition of a sinner. And guess who it was who didn't like the idea of Jesus actually caring for tax collectors? Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Ha! Rumpf! How dare he do that? Who does he think he is? He acts like these people actually need a Savior. We don't talk like that. Because we don't regard them worth saving. There was any group the scribes and Pharisees hated as much as tax collectors. The second biggest category would be Gentiles. Instead of seeing their existence, instead of seeing their message as for the salvation of the world, these incrone, small-minded legalists had developed hatred for those who most needed the message of God's goodness and grace. That's why it was so astounding when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And over time, there had arisen a mutual hatred between Jew and Gentile. 
I mean, if a whole group of people despise your people, uh, there's going to be some animosity. So Matthew five forty seven, Jesus says, If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? In other words, he's saying, your kind of religion doesn't make you any better than the people that you hate. It puts you right with them. By being exclusive, they were proving they're just like the despised ones. Now, do you remember what it is that Jesus is teaching us? Do you remember what these six illustrations are illustrating? Do you remember his theme verse of this sermon, Matthew 5.20? For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that brings us to the purpose of this passage. Verse 48 serves a couple of purposes. It is both the end of this illustration, and it's also the conclusion of the series of illustrations that started back at verse 21. He says, therefore, as I've illustrated and illustrated and illustrated and illustrated, 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 therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you're saying, okay, I don't make it. Yeah, you don't on your own. And if you're looking to find a loophole by doing a Greek word study, it won't help you. <coughs> Perfect is the, the word in this verse that means brought to completion, full-grown, or lacking nothing. Jesus is saying you need something that is beyond anything you can do. You certainly need something which surpasses the self-righteousness of the, the Pharisees. We can't be content with just treating kindly those we happen to like who happen to like us when it's convenient. You need righteousness that surpasses that. You need to be a child of God by faith. You also need to show yourself to be a child of God by your action, by your words. If there's true faith in a person's life, it's going to affect the heart to the extent that the behavior is controlled by the character of the Heavenly Father. And by the way, the concept that Jesus taught here, it wasn't something new. It had just been buried under the mountain of the do's and don'ts of the scribes and the Pharisees. Remember, Jesus had said He didn't come to nullify the law, He came to fulfill it. And what does the law say? Well, for example, Leviticus 19.2, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You need to act like me. You need to be holy in your practice as I am in my essence. Can you do that perfectly? No. But that's what you need to be and that's what you need to strive for. Deuteronomy 8.13, 
You shall be blameless, the Hebrew equivalent of the word perfect, as your heavenly Father is, I'm sorry, uh, you shall be blameless or perfect before the Lord your God. So, Matthew 5, 48, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, does that mean that Jesus was teaching that you must achieve sinless perfection in order to get into His presence? Well, no, you can't. He wasn't saying that at all. If that's the meaning, then he was unsaying what he taught in the Beatitudes, and he's contradicting what we're going to see in a few weeks, how he taught his disciples to pray, Matthew 6, 13, or 12 and 13. He said, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you can't be absolutely perfect, but you can be like your heavenly Father. You can be adopted into His family. You can have His Spirit within you, and you can have the change of desire that comes with that. Now, I would suggest to you that leaves a couple of crucial points for application, and I'll turn it into two questions and their answers. Number one, why try to become perfect? Well, that's got a pretty simple answer. Because that's what God commands. God told me to do it. Shouldn't I be all about doing it? There is no higher, more rewarding, or more blessed path that you could choose on earth than to come as close as possible to living the kind of life that will cause people to wonder what makes you tick, that makes people see what Jesus is like. And even though you can't attain perfection or sinlessness because, like Romans 8 says, you are still groaning while you await the redemption of the body, we have to ask, what better pursuit can there be than the pursuit of being as good as you can. Why wouldn't you want to do that? All your hard work, it can't save you, but it illustrates that you are saved. The Apostle Paul wove this into his own personal testimony. It sums it up quite well. If you've been following along in our daily readings via our daily emails, We had this, I think, just early last week in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Look how Paul puts this. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. Now, wait a second. He said, I haven't obtained it. I'm not perfect. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.